Praise Jesus. Good morning, church. Some people believe that I'm wearing this jersey prematurely. Others of us are really excited that there's one more game tonight. So, I joked with with somebody earlier that I was hoping I was going to get to do two tomahawk chops today, but uh, just one. And so, if you're, uh, yeah, there's a few of you. Thanks, Miss Connie. You got it. All you Clemson fans are just, you're just like holding your breath every Saturday. Welcome to college football in the world of, (laughs) yeah, and everybody else's. Well, hey, uh, if this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. My name's Josh. My wife, Brittany, and I serve as the lead pastors here. And uh, we're grateful that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, We love what God's doing at Greenville First. And so every week we see new faces coming on to our campus. And we're just thrilled because uh, we believe what God's doing is something special. And anytime you have something special, you want people that you like to get to experience that too. And, uh, and so we're just excited that you're here. Again, like Pastor Stephen said, if it's your first time here, maybe it's been a long time, we'd love for you to complete a connection card. Help us connect with you and give you more information about the church and anything we can do uh, to help you there. Uh, now, if it is your first time, you're probably real confused why you heard like three points of a message already. Um, but let me tell you, this is more than just a sermon series we're hopping into. Uh, and this is week two. This is really a directional series. We believe that God is directing our steps as a church to be a church of all in people. And uh, we want to be an all in church. And so last week we kind of kicked that off. What does it mean to live an all in life? And it starts with an all in faith. And, uh, and that, that was, was really a fun one to preach last week. Um, this one, uh, you know, we're going to talk about having all-in sacrifice. And, uh, and so this one may not be the, the one that I'm like looking forward to. Uh, it, it's, it's a challenge for all of us. And, uh, but I also believe that in order for us to, to be a part of everything that God wants to do, we got to go all-in. And, uh, and so the bottom line for this series is this, we must be all in to be a part of all God wants to do in and through us. And there is two pieces to that. It's everything God wants to do in us and everything God wants to do through us. And I don't know about you, but I want both things to happen. I want God to continue to work in my life and I want God to continue to work through my life. I don't want him to bypass me and, and just flow through me, but not in me because I'm too stubborn and hard at it. I want to be all in. And I don't just want him to work in me, but I want him to use me and work through me uh, to be a part of what he is doing uh, on this earth. And, uh, and so we're just excited um, to hop in for week two of all in. So when you think about this term sacrifice, um, it's got several meanings if you look at the context. And, uh, and while we're still, we're wrapping up the baseball season, hopefully tonight is it, uh, and uh, just great faith there. Um, but when it comes to baseball, this idea of sacrifice is the moment that, that, that you would sacrifice the batter so they will get an out intentionally to advance the runner which hopefully eventually advances to score runs. In chess, you may sacrifice a chess piece. And when you sacrifice maybe a pawn or whatever, I don't play chess, I don't know, I just know that that's one of the pieces. Uh, But when you sacrifice that piece, and and it is used as the term sacrifice, it's so that the, the game strategy, it is a strategic move so that you can leverage yourself in the right place. But when we talk about sacrifice and this idea of all-in sacrifice, we're really looking at something much deeper than baseball or chess. We're talking about going all-in and sacrificing with our life, which when we look at that definition would mean that we are giving an offering to our creator God. So what we sacrifice and when we we give this all-in sacrifice, we're saying, God, everything I have is yours and I'm giving it to you. And that's not just finances, so take a, you, can, you can exhale today. That's your life. Because can I tell you, God doesn't really need your money at all. He, it's not he doesn't really. He doesn't need your money. He wants your life. And I believe that we've got to go all in to be a part of everything God wants to do in and through us. And so we're going to hop in uh, to the life of Abraham, and uh, we're picking back up today, and we'll be, our text is found in Genesis 22. 
Uh, if you've been raised in church or around church, you're probably pretty familiar with the text that we're about to hop into. Uh, but this is going to be our, our launching point for today of how do we live with an all-in sacrifice. And we're going to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 22. It says this, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? That's a good question. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Hey, let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we have an opportunity to gather together and worship you. We thank you that you are the almighty creator God. And Father, we worship you today. God, I pray that you would strengthen our hands, our hearts, our minds. May we open our eyes, our ears to receive from you today. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Now, last week we were in Genesis chapter 12 of where it is the beginning. Abraham was still Abram then. And God said, go, Abram went. And, and this is the beginning of God revealing his promise to Abraham. Now, 10 chapters later, Abraham and Sarah have had their son of promise and they are in their 90s. But the promise is here, and now enter this interesting situation of where God is looking at Abraham and telling him, hey, that promise I gave to you, I'm ready for it back. Come and sacrifice your one and only son. Now, there's a lot of things, and I won't camp here for too long. When I read this text, it's just really puzzling. Now, if you were raised in church, you've heard this story a lot, so, so you understand, and, and hopefully you've read a lot of Scripture, or you've heard a lot of Scripture, so that you can understand the nature of who God is, and the totality of Scripture. But when you isolate this, if this is your first time at church, this is probably a pretty weird story for pastor to read this morning. Wait a second. This God that I'm supposed to give my life to is asking for this kid to be slaughtered. But here, here's what you have to understand in this moment of God was testing. I, I love how scripture frames that, that God was testing Abraham. God is not going to go back on his promise. God's not going to change his directives on you. God is steady and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So praise God, we have some anchors that when we get emotionally unstable and we swing from left to right and everywhere in between, God is just steady as it can be. So we look at this passage of scripture and I'm just thinking that this is, I have two boys. I think it would be very interesting for me to, to grab my boys and say, hey, let's go to the mountain. And I'm going to burn one of you up. I, I don't... When I read this passage of scripture, 
For whatever reason, they left the, the, the argument that Abraham had to present to God in this moment. Because I, I just cannot process how Abraham, maybe it is, maybe it's just how it was there. And Abraham just has such a great faith that he just knows, God, I, I trust you with everything. But here's how it would go if this was me. I would be looking at God and saying, okay, God, I need you to, you to show up in these 10 very specific ways. And if all these things happen, including the, 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 the lottery ticket, I'm the winner, uh, th then I'll believe that it's your word for me. If, if God, you, you align all of these things perfectly, then I'll trust that it's, it's you. Otherwise, it's just some strange voice. I probably, I, I ate pizza too late last night. But we do this with God. When, when, when God's asking something from us and we don't understand and we're having a tough time, we like to lay these things in front of God that's like, okay, God, if you turn my grass blue tomorrow, then I'll know it's you. Like we're the ones that are in control of the situation and the plan here. But we like to put these things in front of him. And I can imagine that Abraham probably was, okay, God, are you really sure, you know? Can't I just take one of the servants, you know? I'm not really big on human sacrifice, but we probably could get away with it with somebody else. But my son, really? And then we get to the mountain of where they're up there. And I, I'm so glad that scripture reveals a little bit about Isaac here. Because I don't think there's any of us for all of you men in the room, if your dad took you up the mountain and he says, okay, son, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rope you up here and I'm going to throw you on that burning thing over there. I don't think any of us are just like, okay, dad, I'll just go. Isaac is questioning his pops here. He's like, dad, wait, we have the fire. We have, we have the wood. Where's that sheet? <laughs> Where's the sacrifice? I, I can just imagine, you know, you just, Isaac's like walking. Okay, is dad playing tricks on me? Like, what's the joke here? I told last service, it reminded me of uh, when Pastor Dustin and I had to, had to, we had to make a trip to Spartanburg and he was about to step off of our staff and launch his business. And we're going to Spartanburg to a place in Spartanburg. I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina. I've never been to this place. I didn't even know it existed. If you're from Spartanburg, there's no offense, but there's just, there's just this, and we turn down this dirt road. I think we're losing cell signal and everything. And he looks at me and he says, this is where you bring youth pastors who, who are, who are resigning to die, right? <laughs> there's this worry and he laughed about it, but I think somewhere deep inside, he's like, where is this guy taking me? And we've known each other for a long time. And, and, but it was just, it was this funny moment. I can imagine that that's kind of the, the, the conversation with Isaac and Abraham. Dad, like, are we serious here? Is this real? But Abraham just continued to trust. Abraham continued to have faith because he knew. And we see this sacrifice, this all-in moment for Abraham of where he's willing to risk it all, to, to trust God with everything that he has, knowing that God's a great God who's not going to bait and switch him. He's not going to tell him he's going to have a promise through his lineage and the generations to come. No, the son of promise is here, and God's not going to take that away. But there's some keys here in this passage that really give us the model of what all-in sacrifice looks like or what it takes to, to have all-in sacrifice. And the first is this, as we find in verse 3, is that all-in sacrifice takes preparation for the journey. All-in sacrifice takes preparation for the journey. Follow with me. In verse 3, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Now, here's what I see in this moment is that Abraham couldn't get to where God told him without preparation. Now, for you and me, I think there's so many times in our life where we want to be a part of this all-in sacrifice. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, Pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to give my life. God, whatever you say, I'm going to live this yes, God, life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And then all of a sudden, we realize that we have made zero preparation to be able to be obedient in the way that God's called us to live, be in that moment. See, Abraham made preparations so that he could get to where God was calling him. For you and I, we must make preparations. If we want to live this all-in life and we want to, we want to 
have all-in sacrifice, we've got to make preparations. We look all through Scripture, and every time there was a sacrifice, there was preparation that took place. I look at the Day of Atonement, and I'm not trying to get real, real nerdy with you today, but the Day of Atonement happened once a year. And the high priest would go in and there was a process for him sacrificing for the atonement of the sins of the people. And we find this in, in, in Leviticus actually chapter 16. He would gather a bull, two rams, two goats. Then he would offer a sin offering for the high priest and a sin offering for the people. Then he would clean the incense altar and then he would cleanse the altar of burnt offering. He would have a scapegoat ritual. He would wash. He would do burnt offerings. And here's what we find here. The preparation was not just the thing being sacrificed. It was the priest would go through preparation himself to ensure that he was clean. He was ready for the sacrifice. And although this is no longer needed because Jesus Christ came and was the ultimate sacrifice for us, we miss out on this preparation to be a part of the sacrifice that God is calling us to be a part of. But it's not just external. I think so many times we hear, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I got it. No, it starts on the inside. I, I love what, what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why are these verses connected? Because I believe that God is speaking to us, make yourself a living sacrifice so that you worship me in the way that I want you to worship me. But in order to do this, it takes a renewing of your mind because newsflash, the world we live in is not embracing this idea of all-in sacrifice. Because you know what this world tells us? What can I gain? What can I get? How can I climb the corporate ladder, the wealth ladder, the influence ladder, the power ladder, the whatever ladder you're on or you've been on before? The world and its patterns is not placing you where God wants you. And we've got to hop into this place of preparation. And it starts on the inside. You think about it. Every time we go on a trip, you prepare to go on that trip. If your household is like mine, it's not only packing, it's also preparing the house for your return. Nobody? We clean our house, we make the beds, we do the laundry. Why? I, because somebody's going to show up while we're gone and hang out in our house? No way. It's preparing so that we can enjoy the trip and we can enjoy the return. In the same way, church, we've got to prepare for the journey that God is calling us to be on. And when we don't, we miss it. Just last weekend, we had man weekend. And I'd love to tell you that I was really prepared for this. And I was, to an extent. But I had this realization when I was driving to the church. I was almost to the church. And I had this realization that our guest speaker, who's a pastor in Columbia, who was driving up, I had, not, I had not communicated to him how he needed to prepare to enjoy the weekend. I mean, obviously, you bring your clothes, you bring your toiletries or whatever. I mean, it's man weekend. There's really no rules on that, but suggested packing items. But here's what happens. I'm driving to the church and I, this light bulb goes off that I didn't tell, I didn't tell Alan that he needed to bring bedding. I didn't tell Alan he needed to have a pillow. I didn't tell Alan that there were no towels in the cabins. So here's what I did. I called Pastor Brian. I said, hey, bud, have you left yet? No, I'm just grabbing a few things. Okay, well, I forgot a few things. I said, do you have any extra sheets? Nope, but I got a sleeping bag. That'll work. You got an extra pillow? Yep. Okay, I need that too. Um, how about towels? Do you have any towels? <laughs> He's like, do you need clothes too? I mean, like, what, what else do you have here? So he bails me out. 
But just to pick on him for a moment, he sends me a picture next, and he's like, which of the towels would you prefer? <laughs> and in the picture was a towel with Groot's face on the front. If you're a Marvel fan. And then the other was Peppa Pig. <laughs> Real funny. And then somehow he found some other towels that didn't have any characters on them. So thank you. But here's the deal. We've got to prepare to be ready for the journey that we're supposed to be on. For us, I believe it's an internal preparation of where we begin to renew our mind, where we begin to say, God, I want your thoughts, your ways. Because this is changing the way we're programmed of not being consumeristic at all times, of not saying, hey, what can I get? What can I gain? How can I advance? And saying, God, what are you asking of me? That's preparation. The other side of it is preparing on the practical side. You're like, oh, here we go. Can I tell you this is why, one of the reasons why we offer Financial Peace University small groups? It's not the only way, but it is a way. Why? Because I believe there are going to be times that God is asking you to sacrifice, and if you're not prepared, you can't say yes. I honestly believe that. I think that there's a lot of good in people's hearts that they want to do the right thing. They want to be ready to say yes, but then they look at their circumstances and they've got this bill or they wanted to go on this vacation or they want to do this or they want to do that and there's no preparation and so they can't say yes. And I'm not saying that Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University is the only way, but I do think that there's some practical things that they teach in this, in this class, in this small group that helps you to prepare. And here's some of the basics. There's seven baby steps. I'm not going to go through them today because a lot of you have probably graduated from Financial Peace University and you can recite them back to me. But here's the basics. Get on a budget, prepare for emergencies, and get out of debt. Is anybody upset if you became debt-free today? good, then you're all ready to be prepared. But here's the thing we do. We continue to get ourselves in messes when there's no plans. We're never going to get the spending under control until we bring a plan to it. I've yet to meet somebody that's got a great financial situation on their hands and there's not a plan of action with it. I don't, I don't see people just stumbling in. Well, pastor, I just, you know, I didn't know. And all this money just showed up and I'm just spending it everywhere and it just keeps coming to me. I just don't know what to do with it. If that's you, let's meet in my office right after service. We will help you. There's got to be preparation and planning to be able to say yes. One of the things Brittany and I have done, and we've regurgitated this to college students what over the years that served with us and they were because they're always asking questions do i get a credit card do i do this do i do that and here's our response because everybody's kind of got to sort out between you and god what that plan looks like okay so don't hear pastors preaching dave ramsey on a sunday morning i probably could because it's biblically based but not everything did dave and i agree on so you got to modify to see what fits your your house god's got to be at the center of it though that's the non-negotiable. But here's the way that I answer those questions. I never want to put myself in a situation where I'm the reason I have to say no to God's plan. That's pretty good. I don't want to put myself in a mess. So here's what that means. If I need to drive a used car rather than a new car so I can say yes to what God has, then I'm good with it. If I can't buy the 80-inch and I need to buy the 75-inch TV, I'm good to say, because I don't want to have to say, I was just seeing y'all are sleeping on me today. My goodness. I just don't want to put myself in a position where I become the no to God. So if God's calling me to go and serve on the mission field around the world, I may be arguing with him, but at least I want to be in a position where we can pack our stuff and we can get going as quickly as possible. But I can't tell you how many times I hear story after story where people made bad decisions and bad decisions and lack of planning here and lack of planning there. And they're, Pastor, I'm buried. I can't do that. What you're talking about is not even possible. Well, when I begin to read scripture, it says with God, all things are possible. It just may take a step in an uncomfortable and an improbable place. Abraham prepared. Abraham was able to go all in. The second thing is this, is that all-in sacrifice releases what's in my hands back to God. 
And here's the reason it's framed back to God, because everything came from him in the first place. That may be a newsflash to you, but God created everything that we get to see and enjoy and we're part of. He created us. He created this earth. He created the sky and the birds and the animals and the breath that's in our lungs. He wired us the way that we are. So anything he asks of us is his in the first place. So for me, it's not giving to God what's mine so that he can do something with it. It's giving back to God what is already his. It's the release of what's in my hand back to his. See, we see that Abraham in verse 9, he puts his one and only son onto the altar, ready to be sacrificed because he was willing to release what was in his hands back to God. Because it came to trusting God's plan even when he didn't see it. All of this is fitting together. It's he knew in this moment. It's paving the way for the next generation. The generations to come. God, I'm still trusting you. What would have happened if he said no or didn't go? or We don't know. But I'm so grateful that he said yes to God. Now when you came in, you got a little black baggie. How many of you have opened this already? That's good. Some of you aren't raising your hands and you're lying in church. (laughs) Hopefully you were delightfully surprised when you open it up and there was a dollar coin in there. And if you haven't, I see people digging in purses already. They're like, oh, what's this? If you threw it away, please go dig in the trash can. There's some money there. We're going to be checking the trash after service today. What is this? I don't need this. I'm good. I'm good. Y'all are all going back to the buckets. All of you men who, yeah, I'm good, I don't need that. There's money there. But Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 25 about these, this master and these three servants. And in the parable, the master's going away and he gives one servant five bags of gold, the next two bags of gold, the next a bag of gold. We're working on a budget here, planning and preparing. I'm not giving you bags of gold. Well, technically, I gave you a bag of a gold coin. This is really the way we're going to grow the church here. You know, it's like, we're just giving out bags of gold every Sunday. Be back next week, same time, 9 and 11. Come to two services, two bags of gold. It's good. It's good. (laughs) But the master gives these bags of gold. He gives five, he gives two, he gives one. And he goes off. The one with five bags of gold. He takes the bags of gold. And he's a good steward. He puts it to work and he comes back and he's got 10 bags of gold. The next one has two bags of gold. And he goes off, he puts it to work, he comes back with four bags of gold. The other guy with one bag of gold thought he was, he was the smart one in the class. I'm just going to go bury the gold. Then nobody can take it. And the master comes back. And what happens? We see he goes to the one who has five bags and says, hey, what do you have? Well, I've got 10 bags of gold. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now to the second Same thing, I've doubled up. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then he gets to this guy. I can just imagine this moment. He's like, look, I still got my gold. And the master says, you lazy, wicked servant. I mean, there's just this moment. I can see, I can feel the the brake screeching in this guy's head because he thought it was a good idea to bury what had been stewarded to him. Poor stewardship. And so what does the master do? He takes the bag and gives it to the one who had 10. Because whoever's been faithful with little will be given more. And who can't be be faithful with little, it's going to be taken away. Here's the thing when we talk about sacrifice. There are so many excuses that go through our brains of why we can't be all in. Why we can't participate in what God is asking us to do. And there is no excuse that keeps us from participating that's a valid excuse in God's kingdom and God's plan for us to miss out on going all in. But oftentimes it's our decisions that have, we're not able to prepare and plan. Or maybe it's we've, we've started working this in our mind that, well, I can't give as, as much as, as Pastor Stephen or, or I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. Uh, and so we begin to play this comparison game. And here's the thing I love about this scripture. It wasn't about how much they had. It's what they did with it. So you know what this coin is to remind you? This is a gift to you. 
that I want back in two weeks. <laughs> but here's the gift. The gift is to put this in your hands to remind you that all of us have something in our hand. Every one of us in the room. God has given us, maybe it's finances, maybe it's influence, maybe it's, maybe it's a company we have, whatever it may be. Even if I'm a student and, I, and I'm not worried, there are ways that I can generate resources that God is going to create the opportunity to put in my hand. It's not how much. It's the heart. It's what we do with it. And so this is a reminder. You should have gotten a commitment card with it. But I'm going to talk about this just for a moment. Because on November 14th, and I'm sorry if I'm messing y'all up back there with the slides, but on November 14th, we're having our all-in miracle offering. And why is it so wordy? It's because it's been the miracle offering, but now we're going all in. So it's going to become the all-in offering, but for this year only. And this, this one time, it's the all-in miracle offering, so everybody understands what it is. But this is an opportunity for us to take a step. Take a step of sacrifice. Take a step of obedience. To take a step of faith. Why? Because I think that God has given us resources and he's given us a vision and a plan. And to be a part of that fully, we've got to go all in. And so for us, this is just a little reminder for you to pray and say, God, what am I to do? We have a little acronym for you. It's called the plow. So for the next two weeks, I'm going to ask for you to plow, that you would pray and you wouldn't just stop there. You would actually listen and then even better than that, you would actually obey. And then if, if, if you've done this rhythm before, you know what's coming next is it's a wow factor. Because it's a wow of looking not what you've done, but what God's done with your obedience. Because I really believe when we choose to go all in, the way that God will operate in our life and through our life is far beyond anything that we can possibly comprehend and process. Well, pastor, why do we have a card? Well, we have a card just so you can begin to pray and actually put some commitment to it. Because this is what I know. If I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do something. There's something powerful in saying, you know what? By faith, this is where I'm going. If you've given to the church in the last 12 months, you should have get, received a giving statement a couple of weeks ago. Why do we do this? Because I want you to know where you're at. I don't care where you're at. I do. I want you to be all in with Jesus, but I don't really care how much money's coming in from you. You know why? Because God is our provider. You aren't. My job as pastor is to just help people go all in with their faith and stop, stop trying to hold on to a piece of it. This is discipleship. This is the stuff that may not be, be fun, but this is the grind of getting to where God wants you to be. But I love this giving ladder. Because there's a rung for everybody in this room. Maybe you came today and you're like, well, pastor, I've never given before in my life. Awesome. You know where your first step is? It's to start. It's to start. I think so many times, even the way that I thought about giving for so long is we've got to jump to the 10%. And I, and I honestly believe, don't hear me wrong, I believe that that is the biblical standard, and we'll talk about that because that's the scriptural I think that that's the biblical standard, but I also think that it may take a step of faith rather than a leap. For some of you, you, you may never have even heard of this concept of tithing or the fact that God wants 10%. What? I'm already paying all this and this and that and whatever. And so it's hard for us to comprehend. And so maybe the place that you take a step of faith is just to start doing something. And maybe, just maybe, there's some of you in the room that you've started and it's just time to get consistent with it, to get steady. Let's go steady. Not really, but steady is just becoming consistent. So maybe you look and say, well, pastor, you know, we're kind of we're here. It's in a tough spot and whatever the case may be. And it's hard to process all this. And, and, and when we begin to break it down, I can't really see a pathway to giving 10% or whatever the case may be. Well, just start doing something consistently. Because I believe you're taking another step on this journey of faith. We all have to start somewhere. Praise God that, that from the moment I stand now to when I first gave my life to Jesus, there have been a lot of steps to get me where I am today. And I believe that that can still be the case in our giving. Now, here's the deal. If I step on the first rung and I stay there the rest of my life, I'm not fulfilling everything that I could. 
And even if I hop to the next step and I never make movement, I'm not hitting everything God wants for me. But then I get to the scriptural, and this is where the Bible teaches Old and New Testament about 10% giving, a tithe that goes back into the storehouse. If Greenville First is your home, this is the storehouse. Again, God doesn't need your money. He wants your life. But I also believe that God will use the finances and the resources of this house to accomplish the mission, the vision, the purpose that he's created us for. So I would be failing as a pastor if we didn't talk about money sometimes. And I hate it. Can I tell you? I talk to our board all the time. I'm like, I don't want to talk about money. I hate talking about money. You know why? Because there's so many people in this earth that are looking for excuses of why they don't want to be a part of church. And you know, the one, number one, well, church just wants your money. Oh, I could care less. You know why? Because I trust in God to provide way more than I trust in you. You know why? Because y'all get job relocated. Uh, I talked about last week, 20% of you probably don't even like me. And some of you are just, you're new here and you're trying to figure things. If I put my trust in people over my provider, I'm missing it. But also as we as disciples are not taking steps, we're missing it. Can I tell you this statistic? And it's staggering. 75 to 90% of the American church does not tithe. 75% to 90% does not tithe. That does not mean they don't give. That just means that they are not fully tithing based on, I'm sure, an anonymous survey because nobody raises their hand in the middle of church and says, Pastor, I'm not tithing. (laughs) I'm not asking for that today. I'm not going to put you on the spot, okay? But then here's an incredible statistic that 77% of the people who tithe give 11 to 20% of their income. Here's what that tells me. 15% of the church or 10 or whatever, 10 to 25% of the church that is getting tithing, that 77% of them have already discovered that I can't outgive God. And I'm not just going to stay here. I'm actually going to have some upward momentum because he does far better with my resources than I can. So then we move into this place of sacrificial giving. Can I tell you this past week, I got an incredible email from, we're in Assemblies of God Church, if you didn't realize that, and I got, a, uh, I got an email from our national office, and they said, to date, year to date of 2021 compared to 2020, our missions giving is up 48%. 48%. Can I tell you something else? That's not because of me. That's because we have people who say, Pastor, I'm not just going to be scriptural. I'm going to give sacrificially. I'm going to give above and beyond. God may ask for 10%, but I'm going to do more because there are kids, there are teenagers, there are church plants, there are missionaries that I may never be with them. You may all not be able to go to summer camp with Pastor Stephen every year and see what God does in our students. But if you're interested in going, I'm sure he can get you background checked and get you going. He knows a God that can make it happen. You may never sit in kids' church, which I pray that there's some of you in this place that God will awaken something that you'll hop on one of our dream teams that's serving in the next generation. But you may never be that person that's hopping in and serving in that capacity to see the life change that happens every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night in our small groups. But I can tell you it's happening because there are people who said, hey, I'll sacrifice for the next generation. And then getting to the place, this is my goal in life, can I tell you, is to get to the supernatural. It's the thing that does not make sense. It's saying, God, I don't want to just ask how much you're asking of me. God, I want to begin to figure out how little I can live on and you can do the rest. Now that's the place, I don't know about you, that sounds fun. I like giving stuff away. That's why we put dollars in all the bags. Come back 10 years from now. Maybe it's like a $50 in the bag. I don't know. We're just believing. Just give stuff away. Why? Because there's something inside of us that I think is created to give. But the world around us teaches us to consume. And it's this wrestle because God created us in his image. And God is a generous God. So if we're in his image and he's a generous God, then something inside of us should crave to be generous. But we're in a broken world that tells us that we shouldn't be generous. We should be stingy because, oh, the world's going to blow up and we don't know what's going to happen. And and you better just hunker down and bury. But when we look at the parable, what happened to the one who buried it all? He missed out. 
I'm not asking you to hop to the top. I'm asking you to take a step. I'm asking you to plow. Would you pray? Would you listen? Would you obey and look at God? Now, here's the great thing. We have people that are constantly making steps on this ladder. And I know that can be uncomfortable to be like, hey, you ready to share your story of what you're doing? But we have one today of one of our, one of our students. We were her youth pastors in Florida, and now she's moved to South Carolina. And I just want you to hear a little bit of McKaylee's journey on the giving ladder. I never understood growing up why I had to give the money that I was making to the church. Um, I had worked hard for that, and I didn't understand why it had to go to the church. My name's McKaylee, and this is my story. Growing up, I was raised in a Christian family, um, really strong Christian beliefs, went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. My dad always used to tell me that him and my mom had blessing after blessing, or somebody paid for our food, or we got this for free, or whatever, all of these blessings. And so I was like, oh, maybe if I tithe, I will get a blessing. And so when I had money, um, I would give the little bit that I could in hopes for a blessing. That was it. Not because that was the right thing to do, not because it was coming from a good place in my heart, simply because I wanted to reap a reward. And I would tithe, and I would get no blessing, and I would say, he must not have got my tithe because I am not getting a blessing. And my dad said, he got your tithe, but he did not get it from the right place in your heart. I did not want to hear that, and I just cut tithing completely out of my life for a long time. Earlier this year, I attended a women's conference in my hometown in Lakeland, Florida, and I just really felt the Lord telling me that South Carolina was home and that I, need, I needed to be planted here, um, that I wasn't going to grow if I didn't put roots down. So in June of this year, I decided that I was going to go all in, that I didn't want to be one foot in and one foot out. I didn't want to give when I could or when it wasn't time to pay my rent or all my bills were due. I was just going to set up reoccurring ties and I was just going to have the money. The Lord was going to provide. Um, I didn't know if I would always have it, but I always have. He's always been faithful. Um, and since tithing, there has been so many things that he has orchestrated behind the scenes that have blessed me incredibly from something as little as I went to get an oil change and the guy told me I didn't have to pay for it um, to I got a raise that was double the amount that I was promised when I was hired on with the company a few weeks ago. When I was younger and I was just giving for a blessing, um, my heart was definitely not in the right place. But since giving now, I have just shifted my heart and my mindset in giving and I am I know the Bible says to be a cheerful giver, and I am so incredibly blessed that I am able to give, and I love it. I don't even realize that the money that I'm giving every week is missing because the Lord has provided through every single thing, and I just decided to change the posture of my heart and that I was going to give with a grateful and cheerful heart. I would just encourage everyone to give. Um, give what you have. Give as little or as much as you have, you have to start somewhere. Everybody's circumstances are different. Um, and I just learned recently that it's not in the amount that you give. It's not in who can give the most, but it's your heart with your gift. Um, if your heart is postured in the right place, the Lord sees your willingness and he sees your faithfulness and he will provide for you in every situation. Amen. So maybe you're like McKaylee and you've walked this life and you look and you've had every reason. Maybe you've been on again, off again. So on November 14th, Miracle Offering, if this is your first time being a part of it, it's just where we sow in. We take that step of faith and say, hey, God, I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to kind of get ahead of the game. And so we've got these commitment cards and we've got these coins. Why? Because I want you to have something that reminds you to pray. I want you to have something that you're, you're saying, God, I've prayed over this. I've listened. I've obeyed. Church, we'll celebrate the givers who say, hey, I'm just ready to start. 
We'll celebrate the givers who say, hey, I'm just ready to get steady. I'm, I'm ready to get consistent about this. Or I'm, I'm ready to make the move and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into a scriptural giving pattern. Or, hey, I've been tithing, but I haven't been given above and beyond. I'm ready to start sacrificing. I'm ready to move into a place of, of being a supernatural giver. And we're going to celebrate because we honestly believe it's a miracle when people say yes of what God can do in and through your life. But our final point as we close this morning is this, is that all-in sacrifice knows where God guides, he always provides. Where he guides, he always provides. You've heard me say it all morning long. I don't, I'm not worried about you because God's my provider. But I also believe that he uses the people, the body, to help make that happen. And I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I love this in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, by faith, when Abraham tested, when God tested Abraham, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Can I tell you that God can't lie to you? God can't break his promises with you. God doesn't change his mind on you. God doesn't change his character on you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we read and we begin to discover how good of a God he is, then all of a sudden we can begin to live in that truth. We can live an all-in life with all-in sacrifice, knowing that God's not going to fail us. Now, don't hear me, and I think so many times we miss this, and we tie, well, if I'm obedient, there's, there's all this financial blessing that's going to come. I think it happens sometimes, but I don't think that that's the motive. I don't think that that's the reason. I think when we give, we're saying, God, I trust you to be my provider. I trust that you can do more through what I'm, what I'm using to live on than I can do on the whole thing. He's not going to take it from you. God's not going to break his promise. He's always going to come through. See, Abraham, in verse 14, after the ram shows up, he calls that place, the Lord will provide. And the scripture says, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. If you've been in church long enough, you may have heard this, this name of God, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is my provider. Where he guides, he's always going to provide. While Abraham was crawling on one side, walking probably as slow as he possibly could, just thinking, God, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. I don't want to lose my son. He's going up and he's beginning to exercise obedience on the other side of that mountain. That ram is climbing his way up and he's hopping. Or maybe God just plopped him in the thicket. Whatever your belief is, I'm good with because God can do whatever he wants. But God provided and we may drag our feet and it may be real hard for us to get on the journey and say, God, I really, I know. But what's on the other side of the mountain? I love that we see that the ram is there. We don't sacrifice to get. We go all in and sacrifice because we trust if God is providing or if he's God and he's providing the entire way. But can I tell you, I just want to clarify here that God may provide differently than what you expect. But the one thing that God will always provide is more of him. And God has already provided the ultimate provision, and that's in his son, Jesus Christ. Out of everything, God doesn't want your money. He wants your life. But he wants you to be all in. He doesn't want you having one foot here and one foot there. and He wants you to be all in. But the greatest provision he ever made for us was to give his son Jesus. See, this story of Abraham and Isaac is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus becoming the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. See, we read through the Old Testament and there's all these rituals and all these things that had to happen to atone for the sins, to, to redeem the sins of the people. But then God sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him doesn't have to perish but can have everlasting life. That's greater than any pay raise, church. 
That's greater than any new house or new vehicle or, or new vacation or whatever the case may be. The greatest provision that God will ever make in our life is he gave us Jesus so that we don't have to be separated. That we can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But I think he wants us all to be all in. Can we bow our heads today? Let's close our eyes. It's the most important moment of the service each and every week of where we just pause and I, I just ask you to ask this simple question. Am I ready to go all in with Jesus? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never prayed that prayer. I've never made that decision. I've walked away. I've wandered away. I haven't been all in. I've been hesitating. Whatever your story is to this point, today is the day for you to say, God, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to be made new. Because scripture tells us we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. What a great opportunity. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Will you just slip up your hand in the room? Nobody's looking. Balcony, floor. Can we repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I'm ready to go all in. Forgive me of all of my sin. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. I want to be made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate the decisions that are made today already? I love that scripture tells us that all of heaven is rejoicing when one comes home. Whether it's online, it's in the room, we see life change happening each and every week because God is faithful and people are coming home. But if you made that decision today, we've got an easy way on the screen. There's a number, text made new to that number, and we'd be happy to put a resource in your hand. Or if you're here in person, you can stop by the Connection Center in the lobby or the courtyard. We've got a little Following Jesus book that's just going to help you take some next steps because it's all about taking steps. And it's our mission here at Greenville First to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be.